0: Get it,
1: girl. Get it! Woo. There's something loose between my legs, apart from the office.
2: Bowsery, it's James. I'm hanging here like a cow. Radio check. Loud and clear.
1: Konnichiwa, you frickin' speed freaks, and welcome to <sighs> another episode of Back of the Grid. I'm Stu and I'm joined as always by Chris. Hello. And the internet's Tom King. Hello. I belong to the internet once more, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> once more, yeah. Don't know why. Um, we are here this week to review a bizarre race weekend at the Japanese Grand Prix. Um, the clue was in the Konnichiwa at the start of the episode. It was a weird one because there was a typhoon um, called Typhoon Hagibis, whose name has given me loads of entertainment all weekend because no one who works in the broadcast media seems to know quite how to say it.
3: Um, <laughs> It's a bit like Uh when that um, Icelandic volcano erupted and you had all the newsreaders having to sort of go, herse of the Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) We need a Grand Prix in Iceland. In Iceland? In In Iceland. Iceland. (laughs) In Iceland. (laughs) In Iceland, purely for that reason. A Grand Prix in Iceland. In (laughs) Iceland. Oh, dear. And we're off the rails already. Um, we'll go <laughs> straight into it. The result of Typhoon Hagibis was that qualifying had to be delayed until Sunday morning, um, uh, which was quite a, well, a bit of a pain, really, <laughs> for most <laughs> people, especially if you live at this side of the Atlantic, uh, the Atlantic, Pacific, especially if you live in this side of Europe, <laughs> I suppose, <laughs> this side of the world, shall we say, Um because obviously it meant that qualifying happened at like one in the morning and no one
3: saw it. (laughs) No, unless Unless you live in Australia or somewhere like that, which is already awake for the uh, the Bathurst 1000, Tom. Yeah.
2: Yes. (laughs) Were you actually? I watched everything at once. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Oh, my goodness, mate. That's dedication. So,
2: if you actually look at my early, my Twitter for the first couple of hours of the Bathurst, it was like, oh, thanks for generating a safety car so I can watch Quali." Oh, Kibitza, thanks for generating a safety car so I could go back to <laughs> Bathurst. And it would, they were just going backwards and forwards. It was nice. like there was one in Bathurst so I could then watch Quali, and then there was one in Quali, so I could watch Bathurst. And then he stopped. So Very thoughtful.
1: (laughs) Well, we're on retirements,
2: Mm. well, accidents,
1: the retirements in quality were actually pretty scary. It was like the wind in the final corner that just sort of lifted the cars up and slung them around, basically like a hurricane did in Japan to normal cars all weekend. Yeah, it was uh,
3: not ideal conditions. No,
1: no. Qualifying. So, yeah, qualifying gave us a Ferrari front row lockout, a Mercedes second row lockout. A Red Bull third row lockout, a McLaren a fourth row lockout, if there is such a thing, <laughs> um, and then behind them we had the usual miss, mishmash of also ransom. The fun thing here, though, is that the two Red Bulls posted exactly the same time on their first oh, really? laps. Yeah, did, did you know I this? That no, it was a one twenty seven eight five
3: one. So they did from both cars, which I found amazing. Um, I mean, yeah. it's impressive. From an Alexander Albon point of view, yeah, exactly. He's quite literally matched Verstappen there, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and he's own how long's he been in that car now? Was this his fifth race in that car? Five, maybe six races yeah. now, I think. Yeah, yeah, not many. So it's not taken him long to get up to pace. So, could this be the start of a curve where he actually gets better than Max Verstappen? And what it's will
3: Marco do <laughs> if he does demote <laughs> him immediately?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that was that Um, dynamic starting grid then. (laughs) A little bit. Four four different cars on the four front, four rows, sort (laughs) of all line of stern. Um, But the race at least got off to an interesting start. Vettel. Now, this is the first thing I want to talk about properly Vettel's jump start. Um, Was it a jump start in your two's opinion?
2: well he moved didn't he so yeah it's yeah. it's stupid though because by the the letter of the law he didn't move enough to set the sensors off so he didn't get the penalty but surely a movement's a movement whether you cross the line or not i don't yeah. know that's, that's how that, i see it that's kind of how i thought so like the, yeah the reason he didn't get the
1: penalty was because it didn't the, the sensor didn't trigger to say that the car had moved but obviously it was very clear to see from where well the replays that he moved so. It's a
3: little more complex than that. It's not that the sensor didn't think he'd move, it's that they sense that he moved, but the amount of movement was within an allowed yeah. tolerance. There's basically built into what? the sensors there is an ale- and it's been like this for forever, basically. But the interesting thing is there is an allowed tolerance with movement before the lights go out. But it is a complete secret. The FIA do not tell anyone what their low tolerance mm. is. Because obviously, if they said... Well, clearly it's at least a foot. <laughs> yeah. Well, if they, they said like the tolerance is, you know, you can move, yeah, like six inches before the lights go out, every team would just find a way to start their car moving six inches before the start went. So they keep it yeah. a complete secret there there is a tolerance and whatever Vettel did was within that tolerance. Um, right.
1: Okay. Well, that's, that's that's kind of ridiculous. I think because when you're when you look at it on camera, the the rule is if you move before the lights go out. That's the wording of the rule. Mm-hmm. And then there's a stipulation to that rule, which is based on the, the, the yeah. of the sensor. Um, to me, if you move, you've broke the rules. It's as simple as that. You, it's a penalty, but, Kimmy. You know, Kimmy did it. Kimmy didn't move much further in Russia, and but he moved and enough, <laughs> and he, he actually lost out big time. He lost out loads as a result of stopping mm-hmm. and then starting again. He lost. He went to the back of the grid pretty much. Yeah, And he got a penalty for that. So he did move quite a yeah. bit further, though. Did he? Did he actually?
0: I, don't,
2: I think, yeah, him, yeah. yeah, I don't yeah he did move considerably yeah. further than Vettel. But
3: even still, like it's. Vettel moved a few inches at most. Yeah. Um it- You do have to bear in mind that these are cars that want to be going very fast and they're like having to make these very slight clutch adjustments. They're also Japan actually being one of those circuits, they're up going downhill while they're doing that start as well. Like mm. I don't think it's that big a thing to allow a very slight tolerance just to Allow for these things as obviously know, as long as they're not jumping several feet ahead or they're just starting moving before the lights have gone out. I, I personally think this has been blown up a bit more than mm. is necessary.
2: The, the irony don't. is watching it live. I actually thought Botas had jumped start because of how <laughs> quick he got past Bell. Yeah, I was like, surely there's no way he's took even that quickly from the start. But yeah, it's I, obviously I because Bell moved and stopped. Yeah.
3: So. Yeah. And it's also not like Vettel got an advantage by doing it. <laughs> do you know what's interesting though
2: is is that him moving, if you if you actually look, was enough to trigger a yellow flag that he might have stalled. Oh, really? He moved, you know, he, he moved enough. It moved enough yeah. for somebody to spot and do that. Oh, I didn't see that. Uh, whether whether that's automated or not, I don't know. But the the yellow flag board in line with the front two slots, like in in line with the front row of the grid, went off. As yep. though he'd stalled and he was potentially a hazard to everyone behind him. So some, somebody spotted they'd moved and stopped, I guess.
3: Yeah. <laughs> don't yellow flags mean something slightly different at the start, though? They don't necessarily mean slow down, don't overtake. They're more of just a warning. It's that more, yeah, a it's more a uh, slow or stationary car. It's, yeah. it's yeah. a warning. It's
2: not a don't overtake. <laughs> like I your anyways, eyes aren't but... already on stalks at the, at the start <laughs> I know, right? of the race. <laughs> yeah.
1: So. Um,. Okay. So you Chris you you think it's you think it's
2: been blown out of proportion. Tom, you think what? It was a jump start or no? Well, I'd, it's just one of those things that if you move you move to me. I don't know. Um like he might not have got an advantage out of it, fair enough, but Kimmy didn't get an advantage out of it and I know Kimmy moved a lot more, but you're supposed to wait for the lights to go out at the end of the day. That's yeah, yeah. he's supposed to do that's it.
1: Like, and I remember, I remember, was it Austria last year when
2: um, Bottas got an amazing start? Yeah, it Austria but he was last year or this year, yeah. Well, it might have been the last year before, year. but even still, with that, he was after the lights went out. Like, yeah, fair enough, it was, it was pretty close, but it was after the lights went out. That it but moved.
1: my point here is that it's an anticipated start, was the yeah, there's no way you could. And there is literally no human in the world who could possibly and who could possibly time it to that quickly. So it was an anticipated start, and and if they never gave a, obviously they never gave a penalty for that. But that's when all this anticipated start sort of talk came about. And should there be a penalty? Mm-hmm. Should there not be a penalty? And again, like that, surely the anticipation start, anticipated start rule applies here with with Vettel anticipating the lights going. It's very clear to see that he was anticipating that the lights were going out. He wasn't waiting until they've actually gone out. Well,
2: yeah, he and he kind of realised what he'd done as well, which is why he stopped the car. So, yeah, like, I think he he was obviously going through his head. But I think that's maybe more what it is, isn't it? It's more the clamping down on it to avoid that anticipated start thing. Like you say, it's more that than it is a jump start. It, it's... Because you could get that every weekend, like uh, people just trying to take the risk on it. I, I can't see that someone at the front would, but you could get people doing it. Yeah, but for for me,
1: like my my feeling on it is, I I think it absolutely should have been a penalty. I think it's it's black and white. It's it's all there, regardless of what any transponder says. Like when you see it on camera, someone's moved before the lights go out, and when the rule says. If you move before the lights go out, that's considered a jump start. Then it's a jump start. Apply a penalty. Mm. Simple as that. But it, yeah. it's absolutely black and white to me. But obviously, the stipulation at the end of it to do with the sensor is, is uh, you know, as um, it saved him, hasn't it, from under the bus and, fr- and saved him. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, it's his reactions to stop the car when he's realised he's. I think that's part of it, isn't it? Like he's somehow stopped that within within that stipulated distance, and I think that's what saved him is that he's managed to catch it himself and then go yeah. again, mm. which I don't think Kimmy was as lucky to do, or at least he didn't catch it as quick. Mm.
1: We had a we had a bit of inbox about this uh, this little bit um, from Kay Mangham saying. With a self-escaping penalty for blatant jump start. is it fair to say that sometimes common sense needs to be used and not rely on sensors? I know he lost momentum and the lead because of it, but it was still a jump start, and, in my opinion, should be punished. Um, so, K. Magam agrees
3: with me. I mean, I, I do admit that it does look silly to watch a car obviously move before the lights go yeah. out and then not get a penalty for a jump start. Like, it's, it's... When you looked at that black and white, it does seem silly, but... I guess if if he'd actually, if he'd done that and got away with it and still driven away and kept the lead, then I think that would have left more of a bad taste. But the fact that he basically ruined his start and all of his chances of winning in the process kind mm. of, I don't know, I just feel like having that tolerance, like if you make a slightly too much of a movement on a on the clutch and your car rolls forward an inch, do you really deserve a drive-through penalty for that?
1: Yeah because you're supposed to be one of the best drivers in the world and you should be able to control when your car leaves 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 its starting slot.
3: I don't know. I'm not I'm not I'm not sh- I'm not sure about that.
1: Really? I just <laughs> this is so re- me and Chris not agreeing on something. This is this is interesting. Do, do you I, I'm just staying I, out
3: of it. <laughs> just, do you really want a race win decided on the fact that one driver moved his clutch paddle a couple of millimeters too far and his car rolled forward an inch like is that how you want a race win to be decided if i'm
1: in second play if i'm on if i'm second on the grid and i see that car roll forward even an inch before the lights go out yes i do want the race to be decided that way because that's my race
3: yeah but if point. he then jams the brakes on and you drive past him it's academic then i, d-
2: then, I then i stop caring yeah because i'm know? in the lead <laughs> exactly <laughs> i'm watching this back and over and over again and The more I watch it, the more that I notice that Seb doing what he did (laughs) gave Bottas one of those ridiculously, insanely quick starts. If you watch that, the side-on thing that you were talking about earlier, Chris, Vettel moves, which prompts Bottas to think, oh, we're off. Oh, you're right. And he goes before Uh anyone else starts moving as well. Just just watch just watch the side on. He does, yeah. Bottas goes when Vettel goes and stops. He sees Vettel go and reacts. He doesn't react to the lights. Yeah, he moves he, a good few tens before
3: Leclerc or Hamilton does.
2: Ross, we need an investigation. Ross,
1: Ross. So what's happening there is Bottas is not actually looking at the lights. He's looking at the car ahead and launching based on the car ahead. Oh, my goodness, he is. I'm just seeing it. Wow, he, go-
3: he goes because he notices Vettel. Go. Yeah, it's either that or he's concentrating the lights in his peripheral vision. Vettel goes, and he just yeah. without even thinking, just reacts. And I guess yeah. it's, it's just an instinctive to reaction, react. isn't it? That's an amazing right
1: video. That's really cool. We should link that when we. Yeah, we will uh, we do. Post. Yeah, cool. So I guess we're I guess we're all torn on it, aren't we, you, Chris? You you think you're you're sort of sort of lean. You're the lenient one in this in this uh, situation. <laughs> I'm sort of enforcing the rules with an iron fist. And, <laughs>
2: And I'm and somewhere, somewhere in the you're middle. <laughs> sort of somewhere
3: in the middle, yeah, yeah. Well, um, interestingly, I was about to say one thing you should maybe also take into account is whether in the process of jump-starting and stopping, you mess up other drivers' starts. But then having watched this, all he's, all he's done there, he's given Bottas <laughs> a better start. So.
1: yeah, <laughs> I'd love to see, I I should have really watched Bottas' onboard today to see how quickly he got his start. I'd be interested to know how quick I, his start is. I bet it's another... Um, you know, an, an uh, Austria-esque kind of yeah. launch. Too fast The same fra- Yeah, the same frame as the light goes out. <laughs> um, speaking of Bottas, so yeah, one of his trademark lightning fast starts from the clean side of the grid. Um, he launched past both Vettel and Leclerc to take the lead of the race before he even got near turn one. It was literally, it was like 10 feet off the line. He oh, <laughs> was ahead yeah. of him. Hulk also, sorry, Nico Hülkenberg also rinsed four other cars off the line and um, into the first couple of corners, he would gain five places by turn three, thanks to Leclerc's clumsy, clumsy contact with Mm -hmm. Verstappen through turn two. Um, So I'm going to take you through what happened there and then we will have a little chat about that. Essentially, Leclerc sort of understeers into, well, sort of four-wheel drift slash understeers into the side of Verstappen, who also got a great start and got himself around the outside. Um, damaged, well, sent sent Verstappen completely sideways off the track and damaged his own look, fr- damaged his own front wing. So yeah, um, ruined Verstappen's race and but quite badly damaged his own front wing and then continued around the track with the end plate hanging off, absolute chunk of hen- end plate hanging off, um, jettisons that down the back straight onto Hamilton on lap two, who was chasing um, and it damaged Hamilton's car as well, taking the right rear view mirror off. Um, so what do we think to this? This is this was the next kind of bizarre moment in a
3: very bizarre weekend. Well, I, I, mean, I guess we start with the initial incident. Um, I mean, Leclerc himself has said after the race that it was his fault. And he should have been more cautious. Yeah. And I think when a driver admits it, it was his fault, that kind of says all he needs to no, know, doesn't it? It was. It was very clumsy. There's no arguing against it now, is there? <laughs> <laughs> it's like no. no it's well, actually, I think it was actually Max's mind. fault. You know, Max shut the door
2: for definite. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes, people.
3: Jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The internet um, is about to come round your house and kneecap you, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you said clumsy, and clumsy is absolutely the word. It was. Uh, he just been felt a bit desperate, didn't it? Yeah, yeah it was yeah. a bit. I've had a bad start. Let's try and claw it back in the first couple of corners, and that rarely mm. goes well, does it? Mm.
1: The, the The sad thing is, like later on in the race, even with oh no, it was actually once they'd both pitted, um, Leclerc absolutely monstered him like down the back straight yeah. later on. So there yeah. was just absolutely no need for him to make such a, I guess, desperate move down the down the inside of him like that, in, into a into a corner that always sort of narrows and pinches everyone on the exit. Um, yeah. yeah, the wise thing I think absolutely would have been to back out of it. He knows that himself. You don't need me to tell you that. Um, <clears throat> what happened, I mean, I think I think the resulting madness on the radio and Ferrari sort of being, and him being indecisive on whether or not to bring him in, I think it was very obvious that he needed to be brought straight into Yeah. Um, mitigate the danger that he was causing to other cars i think <laughs> you know like ferrari should have been telling it that, i mean the problem was ferrari didn't say your car is damaged you need to come in because your car isn't safe or you need to come in before they tell us to come in which they, they're never going to say because if he doesn't come in then they're obviously admitting that they broke the rules by uh by leaving him out but the confusion was like Leclerc felt like his car was okay to drive. He
3: didn't feel like it was yeah. having too much an effect on grip. Yeah. That's where you need the team to be decisive and say, yeah. "No, we can see your car come in. And they didn't really exactly. do that. Yeah. I've noticed um, yeah. actually from reading the team radio on this, I've noticed a thing that Leclerc does a lot, which is the team will tell him something and he says, yeah, yeah, understood. We'll definitely do that. But... And then he'll go and say all the reasons why he disagrees. After saying, yes, let's definitely do that, he'll then say but and say all the things that he disagrees with, during yeah. which time about yeah. 20 seconds pass. And in the in this example, he'd driven past the pit entry. Yeah, it's a bit petulant, that, I think. A little bit, yes. a little
2: bit. I think as well, when you feel the need to drive 100 through 130R to hold bits <laughs> yeah. of your car in place, <laughs> That's that, not a good you trial. kind of should know that you need to go in the pits and get that dealt with.
3: not not only was he driving one handed while his other hand was holding his mirror on with the one hand he had on the wheel he was holding the radio button down (laughs) to have the conversation (laughs) I've just described
2: yeah yeah it was it was an insane moment it really was that that sounds safe doesn't it for yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. two hundred miles an hour With his underside Absolutely. hand as well, because it was his left hand, so it was on the yeah. underside of yeah. the wheel while holding <laughs> the radio button, and his right arm across holding the wing mirror yeah. we on. And like, then eventually, he lets go of it, and the wing just
1: goes bye, yeah, <laughs> <Just> disappears, <laughs> um, disappears into Lewis's car, which was actually looked really, really scary. I thought, like the, the amount of like stuff that just exploded when it hit Hamilton's car, because obviously you've got very high speed, relatively you know tough object hitting another relatively tough object and just like bits of carbon fiber and paint and all sorts go everywhere. The cars behind had to weave to dodge it. It was just, it was, it was really You don't want to see it. This is the pinnacle of motorsport. And you've got things flying off cars for reasons of, of for silly reasons that that, that shouldn't be the case. He should have already been in and he just made it dangerous for everyone. If that had, if that had hit, if that got wedged in the, in the halo or something like that, or wedged in some part of the car that ends Hamilton's race.
2: You know, so yeah. Well, yeah. If it had not hit the halo, it could have been a lot worse as well. Mm, another good like, job of the
3: halo was there because yeah. it, it looks like it deflected it off the halo into the mirror. Like, I think.
2: Yeah, shattered carbon fibre is extremely sharp. Like yeah. that could have done some damage if if it had not deflected away like it did. So
1: mm. yeah, it's scary. So, yeah. Luckily, it's also very lightweight. So if it did. True. If it's just a shard, if it did hit you, it'd probably just bounce <laughs> yeah. off anyway unless unless it hit you
3: on a really dodgy angle. Um, just um just to go back a little bit though, it, it does mean that at the point when he was on the radio saying the car feels fine, I want to stay out, he was, was... holding a bit of his car on. <laughs> well, <laughs> You're Not convincing anyone off. there, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It,
1: ugh, yeah. It was just it was shambolic. Like so at that point they've they've lost the lead of the race and the second car. Because of indecisiveness, has has basically dropped to the back of the grid. So that yeah. you know, it's early doors. He has to come in for a new front wing, and think, and it's all it's because of driver error. And you have to ask why these drivers at Ferrari in the in the best, which is let's face it, the best car on the grid at the moment. Why are they making so many mistakes? Like the championship's also gone. Is it is it their rivalry mm. between the pair of them? Are they trying to get? on top of each other they're so desperate to become number one in that team that they're feeling the pressure and they're making
2: mistakes because the championship's gone that's not left to fight for anymore yeah I th- maybe it is the in a team battle between the two of them because like it is significant isn't it mm. to to be considered the number one for ferrari is a pretty big deal um mm. And I think there is some sort of... this desperation from Charles to impress, I think, and get results because he wants to prove that it he was worth the, the risk of sticking a, sort of a, a relatively new and young driver in the car. And there's that slight desperation at times from Seb of I want to retain my top dog status and I don't want to lose it to a kid as he mm. will see it. So it's... Yeah. I think it comes into play for both of them for different reasons, but if they want to be successful as a team and as drivers, they need to get over it, both of them. Well, they need to stop making silly
1: mistakes, don't they?
2: Well, exactly. But the mistakes would stop if they got over that, I think. If they stopped if they stopped thinking this whole, I'm going to get replaced, if you know what I mean? And then they just drove for yeah. the team and got the best out of the car. They'd both be getting one-twos every other weekend, like the Mercedes manage, and they'd be fine and they'd probably be somewhere up near the, you know, we wouldn't be in a situation where we're now guaranteed a Mercedes title winner in yeah. Japan. So, so you're saying yeah. there's, it's the pecking order then, and the pecking order at Mercedes is what
1: is giving them that stability, that's, well, that, that level-headedness, and then because maybe, there is no pecking order at Ferrari, that's what's causing the issue.
2: Yeah, but the thing is there's no pecking order at Ferrari, but everybody knows that Ferrari's a team that has one. And I think Mm. that's what causes the unsettling. Like in a, I'm trying to think of another team where you'd have it, but like in at Haas, there's no like given number one, number two driver. I do, I wouldn't say, but you sort of the reason like Grosjean was like he was is that he's worried his contract's not going to get renewed. It's not I need to be the number one driver to get the decisions over Kevin. It's it's like I've got to keep my seat, and I'm desperate to keep my seat. It's got nothing to do with Magnussen. Whereas at Ferrari, it's there's always been a number one, number two scenario, and it's a very clouded area as to who that will be next season because of the way that Leclerc has performed when he's when he's you know got his results. And mm. I think that doesn't help either of them because they both want it.
1: <laughs> I have to say, as as someone who's not, not a massive fan of Ferrari and sort of a... I don't really have a dog in the fight of who's in charge at Ferrari. It's absolutely fascinating to watch it unfold.
3: Oh, it really is.
2: <laughs> well, it is anyway, Like, But yeah, I just yeah. think that Ferrari have finally started to get themselves in a position where the car works, they understand the car, and generally speaking they're getting on top of strategic decisions and stuff. And now they've finally nailed all that side. Suddenly the drivers have gone to pot and crashing into things, mm. people and each other and stuff. It just, the it, Ferrari can never seem to get every single aspect of a race team in line these days. And it just seems really weird. Yeah. So what's the solution? Do they, do they get rid of a driver? Do Fire they, them both. <laughs> <do> they... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I, maybe they need to put their foot down and say like Seb is number 1 or I don't know what I don't know what it'd be but they need to stop the squabbling between the two of them yeah. which is going on in my opinion. I, I think I think they say you know
1: dictate who num- who is number 1 that ship sailed. That that's that sailed yeah. in Bahrain that ship
3: that's gone. Um I think I think what they've been missing This season is, or at least in these last few races since Ferrari have had a bit more dominance, is it seems like the team tell the drivers to do something, the drivers question it and then do what they want anyway. And I really think the team is missing a, we are Ferrari, this is what's happening. And if the drivers choose not to do that, then they do something quietly internally to remind them that that's not how we do things at Ferrari. And that's how historically they've always been. And they seem to be missing that. And I don't know if that's a Benotto thing. I don't know if that's something that's been going on for longer than that. But they do seem to be missing the team first, driver second mentality.
2: Yeah, it's, there is, what's this now, three races in a row where we've seen a Ferrari driver go on the radio and basically just say no? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's definitely been three because it was Seb then Charles twice, wasn't it? Yeah. So we've we've definitely seen it for three races Mm -hmm. and that maybe that's what it is they need they need to be sterner with them on those scenarios and say if we tell you to do something do it like (laughs) as much as i don't like when he does it lewis sits and whines all the time when the team tell him to do something and he thinks it's wrong but generally speaking he like if he's been told to do something generally speaking, he will do it. Even if he whines about it for a lap or two first or after, generally speaking, he does it. Yeah. And look where he ends up at the end of the race because of it, like usually in a better position than he would have if he didn't do mm. said thing. And I know not; it's not 100% of the time that it falls that way, but generally speaking, if he's been told to do something for a reason, he yeah. goes along with it eventually, even if he does whine a bit first. <laughs> yeah. And I think that both the Ferrari example. drivers need to... to just re- wind their heads in a bit, and just like listen to what the team's telling them to do. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what was I wonder what was going through um, Vettel's head that moment that
1: he did have the the potential jump start because he's only two points off a uh, race
3: ban as well. You know, on his on his uh, penalty yeah. points license.
2: Well, they'll they that'll be a little bit clearer for him now we've gone past japan i think
3: yeah japan was the point he needed to get to
1: oh was it so did he still have was he still only two points or was he has he did he have to get past japan during japan as a,
2: an event he would have got banned for if he'd racked up enough penalty points yeah however so it was two away he's from past japan is is all right yeah it's clear okay. Yeah.
1: okay um so we've got a couple more opinions from listeners um on on this subject um, Charlotte Taylor says, "Apparently the FIA told Ferrari to pit Leclerc, which they ignored. Surely it's a black flag offence, ignoring an instruction from the FIA. Do you really think the penalty Ferrari received was harsh enough?" And that's, I say, how much of an effect did the Austrian GP incident, yeah, the Austrian GP incident, have on the coming together between Leclerc and Verstappen? Is this Leclerc saying, "If you don't give me room, then I'm not giving you room"? Two can play that game. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I forgot about um those two clashing. Yeah.
3: In so um. on the Ferrari penalty, obviously the clerk got a 10-second penalty for the leaving him out, shedding bits part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then Ferrari were given a €25,000 fine, which, you know, pocket change. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was a black flag offence, because that I think at the point... F- the FIA said, you need to come in. They did actually come in. It's just yeah. that they should have themselves brought him in two laps before that. Yeah, I've got to be it, honest, it, I was getting very excited because I really thought we were about to see the, the rarest of flags, the meatball flag.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it's the black and yellow f- ball, is it? Yeah, black, black flag with orange an
3: orange ball. blob on it. So, um, yeah, I think it's another one of those <laughs> flags that they kind of replaced with just a message to the team and i was hoping now they've brought the black and white flag back we'd also get the meatball flag back but alas we did not (laughs) sad yeah sadly no (laughs) the austrian gp thing's an interesting one um well that comes back to what we said when did they come
2: together last time they came together again recently and i sort of said well Oh no, sorry, it wasn't them. It was Leclerc against Hamilton, wasn't it? It wasn't specifically Verstappen. Yes, but it was when Leclerc had that defense against Lewis in yeah. um, in Italy. Italy, and I was saying that maybe it's in his head that he's thinking, well, if Max can get away with like blocking half the circuit and basically bumping into me, I'm going to give it a go. Like I'm not saying he directly thought that. Like I said at the time, but you've always got to think that that kind of thing's potentially in the back of someone's mind. Uh, with this, I don't think it was. I think it was just a bit of a silly mistake where yeah. he drifted wide trying to stay on the racing line. Yeah, I think so too. Um, it's blind rather to turn than one intentional is what thing. It is. Yeah, it, I don't think it was anywhere near being an intentional, oh, it's you, Max, see you later. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <clears throat>
1: yeah, so that that I guess that covers that one. Uh, Would you yeah. say? We're, Any more we're, we're largely in
3: agreement on that one at least. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Um so uh, my next thing is just a really quick shout out to Carlos Sainz, Sainz Jr who was almost around Hamilton into turn 3 <laughs> but um, he sensibly gave up on it when Hamilton bumptiously held on to the corner and came yeah. out on top um it was that was really great driving from both drivers i thought properly on the, the edge but yeah, yeah tiny bit of
2: contact but reasonable <laughs> yeah
1: um <laughs> should it should it have been a black and white flag for Hamilton do you think
3: oh he'd love that wouldn't he
1: just just for the uh just for the just for the fanboys there just some balance yeah a bit of balance um not long after that a big moment for albon recovering past norris having lost ground at the start um it's a pretty bit of an ambitious move into the final chicane um no consequence from the stewards surprisingly based on you know the end the net sort of result of of the Leclerc and Verstappen thing um, was a very big move from a long way back. A little bit esports esque, if you like <laughs> if, uh, esports in the most amateur sense, <laughs> <laughs> sitting in your lounge. Esports at our level, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think to that? Do you think he sh- 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 think he should have got
2: away with it? You- <sighs> well, the stewards
1: already too busy. <laughs> uh,
2: maybe I don't know. Like, if, but even if they are, they should still be coming back to it. Like it's a long way back and it was a door that was always closing. Like at the point that you can sort of see that he's thinking about it, Lando's pretty much about ready to turn in and about to start his turn in. So, you know, it's always going to, it's going to be a door that closes. And I think even if Lando's spied him with the distance that he came back from, you'd think that if Lando's seen him, he's then thought he's too far back for that and then began his turning. So Mm. yeah, it's, it's a little it, clumsy. I don't I didn't think it was that bad. I'm very surprised that he didn't get looked at, or if it did get looked at, that there wasn't a bit of something said.
3: Mm.
2: I feel in that situation, I, f- I think maybe that
1: one, but maybe Chris will disagree with me here. I don't know. But like I feel like that one probably, Norris kind of was given an excuse to go a bit wide. I, f- I felt like a little bit there. I feel like Norris. Sorry, Albon came from a long way. Yeah, he did come from a long way back, and he he was understeering like you wouldn't believe because he he was too heavy on the brakes to even be thinking about turning his wheel, and that's sort of what led to the 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 glance across the side of Norris's car. Mm. Um, I think that was for me that one's more hard racing than than the Leclerc one. The Leclerc one was a bit clumsy. That one was kind of like you know intent to pass by and desperate also desperate but yeah. but i don't know There's something about that that norris was never going to lose out anything like as much as what verstappen was in the other
2: situation so you I, know he, i guess i think that's probably why they got away with it and i guess the other thing is as well like if if norris was trying to defend it's is it not one of those things where maybe it's inevitable that it's going to happen sooner or later should he have put up a stronger fight, I guess. Just trying to look at it from both sides. Obviously, mm-hmm. I know I've argued why I thought they yeah. should maybe have looked at it, but now to sort of try and be devil's advocate on the other side, like, should Lando have maybe defended as hard as he did if he was defending? Well, he wasn't defending, was he? I, was don't, he think was... He, I
3: don't think he knew he was there until no, yeah. last I,
2: I think that's more like what it is. I think it's definitely more Lando did just did not expect him to die from as far back as he no. was. And Lando I himself says uh, he, he said there was he, he didn't really have too much of an issue with it at the end anyway.
1: So I think like yeah. the biggest part of it was kind of like he was probably saying he forced me wide just so that he wouldn't get a penalty for going over the runoff area
2: and rejoining. Maybe the it's, yeah, maybe it's more that maybe it's more. I haven't cut the corner here. I've been like bumped off, yeah, kind of thing, so which makes sense. The, and when you look at it from that perspective, you can
1: kind of see that they're both sort of being a bit naughty. Yeah, that's probably why you know it's six or one, half a dozen of the other, yeah, yeah, I guess they're just getting away with it.
3: The other factor to that, which I think is maybe more the reason why at the time, um, Norris was a bit annoyed by it all, is that, um, a bit of Leclerc's wing had wedged itself in Norris's brake ducts, so he was having all kinds of issues and he was actually about to come into the pits to get his brake duct cleared, and because of the dive bomb from Albon. He had to cut the corner, miss the pit oh, yeah. entry and had to do a whole other lap with clogged up brake ducts, overheating everything. Oh. So because he had to do another lap struggling, that basically ruined his race from that point. Um, and he was on so, fire, wasn't he, when he came into the he pit? He was literally on off, fire. on fire, yeah. yeah. Um, I will say, I personally think Albon got a bit lucky getting away with that. He was <laughs> never going to make that corner. Like he... He tried to turn into the corner. He bounced off of Norris, which would have slowed him down a bit and nudged him towards the way he wanted to turn anyway. And he still didn't make the corner. Ended up with green wheels <laughs> he, off the runoff. He, so he had he
1: had two wheels on on the correct side of the white line, Chris.
3: I mean, that's fine if there's not another car <laughs> on your left hand side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: there is that. <laughs> I was still within the white lines. Like, yeah, but he wasn't. Yeah, maybe we're being. Maybe I'll be in a bit loose on uh, on Alba. Maybe it should have been a penalty. Thinking about it, who knows? I mean, I'm not. That's why I'm not a race steward. I'd never be able to decide. <laughs> 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 Just give everyone a penalty and have done with. <laughs> yeah, um, we we've actually got a message on this one as well, which is from Cornwolf, cool name, um, saying why didn't Alba get a penalty for the move on Norris? Do you think the penalty was fair on Leclerc? And if so, why wasn't it applied in the in the
3: race? Lots to talk about, gents. Um, obviously, Leclerc, we've done. Did you hear about the whole... One. So, during the race, it immediately after the Leclerc Verstappen incident, it popped up, no yeah. further action. Then a number yeah. of laps later, it suddenly popped up under investigation. And then much later in the race, it said to be investigated after the race. Um, did you hear why it kind of panned out like that? Because wasn't it was the new evidence presented or something basically yeah the stewards' initial reaction was it looks fine and then some quote unquote new evidence appears which is why they kind of reopened the investigation
2: which they're entitled to do if if a new yeah, angle completely. of
3: replay or a new camera uh, replay
2: comes in that makes it more obvious that there's something to be looked at it's in a way it's a good thing that they've that they have done that because there'd be nothing worse than a situation where it was worthy of a penalty and they've already closed it, and then despite whatever else comes up, they're like, too late, we've already closed it. Like, at least they're willing yeah. to say, oh, hang on, something else has come to
3: light it's here. Not we like need it's to look at this catchphrase or something, we have to take your first answer. <laughs> like, you're allowed <laughs> to change your mind if you think your first one was wrong.
2: Yeah. Mm. Um, I could only imagine mm. the thing with it will be decided after the race was possibly to do with the fact that max had retired by that point yeah i think so and it's still not 100% decided um i i, I appreciate what was you, the reason for that
1: i appreciate what you are both saying about like it doesn't have to be your first after answer doesn't have to stand but it's not a great look is
0: it
2: no but i think i think they should have maybe taken longer than they did before saying no further action which maybe would have prevented this but if an onboard camera, it, like if, if for example, if you're waiting for an onboard camera shot, it, for argument's sake, and it's not come yet, do not hit that button that says "no further action" until you've seen it. Yeah, just wait. Yeah, and like if you've not fully finished reviewing everything, do not press that button until you've finished reviewing everything. If something comes to light from like a, I, I don't know how it would, but like if something does somehow turn up where it's like maybe it's a bit of telemetry or something that comes back afterwards and they think, hang on a minute, we do need to look at this again. Yeah, possibly. Something that it ha- is on a, like a legit delay, um, then I guess the best thing that they should have done really is say it's been investigated and leave it open as long as possible, I think, rather than sort of quickly trying to shut it down like what they did. Yeah. I think the better thing would have been to investigate it over a number of laps if they needed it. Because with that little marker on the leaderboard that we have now everybody knows it's being looked at and i'd rather them take two laps and get it right than try and do it in half a lap and get it wrong and then open it again i'd definitely rather them take a couple mm. of laps to get it right first time personally as a as a spectator and a fan that's what i prefer. so.
1: for me like I, I have to do the the annoying thing that people do and and compare it to a foot compare a formula one race to a football match and hmm. my feeling is if someone Gives a penalty in a football game, and then the penalty is taken, and the goal is scored. And then later on in the the, I suppose this is the opposite way around. But later on in the in the in the game, it's so new evidence comes to light, and actually it's not a penalty. Then what would the fan reaction be to that? You know.
2: Well, this is this is why we have VAR now, isn't it? Going to staying with a football thing, they review a video in the Premier League and and some international games. And then games they make a decision. Make sure they, and then they make a decision there. And then, and, that, and that's what I mean yeah. about leaving the investigation open in F1. They should analyse everything they've got available before they make a judgment rather than reopen it. I can understand why they did, but I would have rather than left it open and carried mm-hmm. on until they were 100%.
3: I mean, I've, I've said this multiple times in this podcast. Cricket, more than any other sport, has got the using technology thing down to a T. And if... Cricket, a sport that still has a break for tea, can get the technology <laughs> side of things right. Like, surely Formula One can get that right as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. Rugby it, do it fairly well as well, though. To be honest, yeah, they do actually. Like, yeah, they, they there's do. a number of sports that do manage it. The NFL manages fairly well as well. Like, there's a lot of sports that manage to integrate it, and then there's a lot of sports that have spent so long resisting it that it's now hard for them to get it right because they're too far gone. Um and soccer slash football being the main culprit for that, but that's another podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, the the VAR thing, like they've got all. I
1: mean, Formula One have got all the cameras. They were they were looking at all the replays yeah. and stuff to make the decision. I just don't know what additional evidence that they've not really said have they what additional evidence was
2: no that i think someone s- pushed the button by accident and didn't mean to well, say that.
1: yeah like <laughs> is is it that they've just changed their mind and said oh actually no we got this wrong we're going to investigate it again like again it's a really bad look pinnacle of motorsport and you know the steward in this i have to say the steward in this weekend's been pretty crap <laughs> All right, Gunther. All right, <laughs> don't get yourself a fine, Steve. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't swear.
3: I didn't swear. I
2: know. I'm just saying before you do, Mr. Steiner, count down.
3: <laughs> anyway, we've got about four laps in at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, well, there's
1: there's not much else to it. So okay. <laughs> um, uh, later on, Leclerc, was, it, as I've already mentioned, monstered Verstappen down the straight um, because he's just got a much better car um as shown by the amount of other cars that he monstered on his way to sixth um and eventually seventh after his 15 seconds worth penalties at the end of the race um hamilton would lose out on strategy dropping too far back on old mediums to challenge for the lead before switching to a two-stop and dueling vettel for second towards the end um the ferrari just had too much power baby to um, <laughs> Mercedes, to allow Mercedes to to even have a chance, um, even with DRS, um, should Hamilton have, have stuck to a one stop? Is my question for you too. He thinks so.
3: <laughs> he was very vocal in that.
2: But there was a point where he said the tyres were dropping off when he came into pit. So what? What does he want? Well, I know they told him to push before that, but yeah, that's the he thing. Can't, he can't say they were dropping off and then complain saying. Uh, that he should have done a one stop like i know he complained quite early on because he was saying this is how far i am behind botas like how has this happened why didn't you just put me on hards and let me try and go to the end and i noticed i noticed that in team radio like after his first mm-hmm. stop um which is a you know it's a valid point It could have been worth trying but i can't remember what their hard tyre pace was like like i don't know if it was even there what they did may have been the most viable thing
3: yeah not many people touched the hards all weekend mm-hmm. he i mean he also said after the race even on mediums he felt he felt like if they've decided at that point to try and one stop it he could have driven differently to eke out those mediums and have a yeah. shot whereas as you say they told him to push straight away which ruined any chance of that um See, maybe this is the downfall to always
2: just following what the team tell you because yeah, they've true. said to him, push, and we're going to pit again. And maybe what he should have said is been like very stern at the time and said, "I would rather try and get these to the end and lose out if I can't," kind of thing. And because mm. basically he's going to have to pit anyway, isn't it? And if he makes up that pit stop difference, then. Brilliant. If he doesn't, then he's going to stop for softs anyway and bang in some fast laps for fastest lap. But he's not going to lose a position realistically. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know,
1: maybe two, two he should words, have been stronger guys. on that. Two words track position.
2: Yeah, that's yep. what it is. It's, it's always about that.
1: Priority number one. I think if he had stayed out and Vettel had caught him. He would have Vettel would have got past very easily down the down the main yeah. straight because if you've got no traction out of that final corner and you've got the Ferrari with mo power baby, yeah. shout out to James Bumphrey from Donut Media for that joke, <laughs> then yeah the, the the Ferrari I mean we saw Leclerc monstering people down the straight the whole race so that was only going to happen to Hamilton if he did stay out on the mediums and Vettel caught up which he probably would have. So yeah. it would have been, I think
3: you know. In conclusion, it would have been very, very difficult for Hamilton to defend that position if it did come to that point. I mean, when when he was chasing Vettel, the only time he really had a shot of passing him was when Vettel had a compromised entry to the uh, start finish straight. Hamilton had got a double toe down the straight yeah. with DRS, and he still couldn't get past him. So that just shows the advantage Ferrari had down there. I I just can't see a world in which either Hamilton would have passed Vettel or Vettel would not have passed Hamilton. Yeah. Yes.
1: Um, But it was Hamilton's fastest lap that would give Mercedes the points gap needed to seal the deal for the Constructors title with four races remaining this season. Um, He almost got second, obviously, but yeah, Vettel's amazing defense just kept the five time champ at bay. Um, the final sting in the tail for this bizarre <laughs> race weekend was a timing glitch, which ended the race the, 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 ended the race a lap early. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I want my money back for that <laughs> for that one lap. That and so lap. do Racing Point, Renault, and Pierre Gasly, mm. who almost do lost Racing lost Point out want to it back
2: though because it, it got them a finish when they DNF'd after the. Lights, they oh, well, they were still kicking off about something at the end of the race, which we'll get to in just a little bit. Um, <laughs> um,
1: Gasly, yeah, almost lost out to Perez, um, as a result, but he ended up in a wall around turn two. I, I don't think Perez would have ended up in a wall around turn two if that had not happened, is the thing. Well, so, by the official results, saying,
3: that didn't happen, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, yeah, exactly.
3: The official results um, say Sergio Perez finished the race <laughs> in ninth place, even though we saw him in a wall, in a wall, yeah. Do you want to know some slight irony about all of this?
1: Yes.
2: So, the thing that stopped the race early was the digital LED board giving a checkered flag a lap early. The reason they now do that under the official race stop is in case someone waves the flag a lap early after what happened at Canada <laughs> Yeah, year. I know. Brilliant. <laughs> Great work.
3: That, how ironic is it? I know, right? <laughs> That's hilarious. It's like, and now people are saying, oh, just bring back a flag. Like, you can't that can't go <laughs> yeah, wrong, yeah. surely. Oh, my God. It's so funny, isn't it?
1: <laughs> Pinnacle of motorsport, everyone. Pinnacle of motorsport. Yeah. Oh, dear. Um. <laughs> so, um. final bit was the Renaults were protested by Racing Point, which we'll come back to in just a little bit. Um,
3: but first, we need to pick a driver of the day. I see lots of contenders this time.
2: Mm, I have a strong nomination for Danny Rick this week, because he yes. came from... 17th, I think it was, all the way up to 6th after Leclerc's penalty, which is solid. Yeah. Um, A Mm, really good drive, in my opinion, for Danny.
3: Yeah, um, he was on my list. Uh, Carlos Sainz on my list. Um, Just yet again, he was best of the rest and didn't really look like being challenged for it and was just solid all weekend. Um, Mm. Only one on the lead lap as well out of that best of the rest pack. So
1: Tom, you're Ricardo, and Chris, you're Science. You're saying,
3: I'm I'm Science slash Ricardo. They're all in the ballpark for me. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, it's like choosing, it's like trying to choose your favourite kid, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean,
3: the the official one was Bottas, which fair enough. It was a very very good drive to win a race. Mm. Um, he wasn't really challenged for it, but That's still true. impressive. I think. I from, think it's Ricardo for me.
1: Ricardo definitely had a a lot more action. There was more to look yeah. at with Ferrari, with uh, Ricardo's race. He had to so fight for he, it. Yeah, I could go Ricardo. I'm happy to go Ricardo. Yeah. He's, he's had it a few times. Ricardo. I think because he's a good driver. <laughs>
3: <laughs> End of the season, I'll do the usual, gather the stats up. But I have a feeling it's going to be between Ricardo and Science for most driver of the days this year. Yeah. yeah. Um. Shall we do? Shall we decide on a move of the day? Yeah. Yes, I've I've written down three separate Leclerc ones because there were lots of good ones. <laughs> yeah, I
1: noticed that. Um,
3: <laughs> you've already mentioned his one, passed Verstappen into turn one. That was very good. That was a um, big move. He passed lots of people up the inside into Spoon, which is a ropey place to try and overtake people, but he did a very, yeah. very good job of that. I think out of all
2: those as well, specifically the Gasly one. Yeah, it was Gasly. Yes. Probably the one
3: that stands out for me proper dive that was really impressive. Yeah he was a very compliant gasly to let it happen but uh it was still impressive all the same. Yeah. Um the pick of them for me though was when he went up the inside of uh Raikkonen at 130r. That was ridiculous. Yeah. That was like a I bet he bit a chunk out of his seat when he made that move. Yeah, absolutely. You would w- wince
1: going through there going down the inside of someone. Ooh. Yeah, it gave, just like it
3: gave me a shiver seeing it. Please don't turn in, please don't turn in.
1: Yeah. yeah.
3: Oof.
2: Um, yeah, I could go for that one. Uh, Tom, what, what what have you got? I, mine was probably the Leclerc on Gasly at Spoon, like out of all of them, specifically that one. Um, mm. I thought Vettel did a good job of defending from Hamilton at the end as well, even though he did have the more powerful car. I think he still, with Lewis being on those uh, softer, fresher tyres, he definitely still had a lot of work to do. Um And I think he did a good job of it. And I think he also used the back markers to his benefit to some degree as well. And it was just very tactical. And uh, I was impressed with the way he defended. But I think uh, as an overall move, the Leclerc on Gasly thing was the one that sealed it for me. Cool. Okay. Ricardo
3: also went around the outside of Giovinazzi into turn one. Then he did the same thing to Perez. Pitted, came out behind Perez and then did it to him again for good measure. (laughs) Which I very much like, enjoyed. Yeah.
1: yeah. Cool. Okay. So we're on well, I think we're probably Leclerc, in, aren't we? Based on what we've It's definitely Leclerc. I think we disagree on which one, but it's definitely Leclerc. Yeah. So let's just say Leclerc, Leclerc. The of the day. <laughs> um Just a shame why you had to do it all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Finally, finally, finally.
2: Honestly, what the f are we doing here? Yeah, WTF moment of the race. What what where where your heads at? <laughs> Probably Leclerc trying to do a one-hander through 130R while holding his wing
3: mirror on and talking <laughs> on the radio, because that, that, that was... did make me go,
2: "What is going on?" Yeah,
3: that was book Couple, wild. That coupled with the fact we now know that he was on the radio saying, "My car's fine," yeah, <laughs> really, yeah. really, really entertains me. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think I think that one's got my vote as well. Other nominations were the stewards, just for being the stewards <laughs> all weekend, and Careful um, um, bits flying off Leclerc's car at people. Um, yeah, but I think specifically kind of, kind of catchall Yeah, specifically Lewis Yeah, um, yeah. The catch-all is Leclerc doing a one thirty, doing one thirty r one handed for the. He what says, does that say? Why
2: does that? He says what? doing one thirty r one handed for the laugh because his wing mirror was loose. <laughs> that's what he says ex- explicitly for <laughs> for the, the lulls. So yeah his way around
1: one thirty r. Well done, Leclerc. Not only did he not win the race, he got two awards for um, from back of the grid, so well done. Shall we move on to some predictions, guys? Yeah, let's go through
2: them. We'll skip over us because we've got nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah. the, the, high, the highest scoring overall in a very bleak week for most people <laughs> <Bleak>. was... Uh, <laughs> well, there was one person that achieved two points, and that was Wesley Paul. Um, who managed to get Vettel and Bottas. Uh, Vettel for pole and Bottas for win. Wow. Of all the things that could combine for two points, I would not have thought it would have been. Yeah, that. that's a pull out of nowhere, that one. Yeah, that's like basically, I'm going to pick the two number two drivers at, at yeah. on current form. <laughs> that's where that has come from. Um, but yeah, congratulations to Wesley Paul because that was top score this week. Weirdly, only, well, I say weirdly, it was a bit of a confusing race compared to what we thought we were going to get so only 18 people actually managed to score points overall this week a lot of people went home pointless alongside <laughs> us so i feel less bad this week <laughs> uh, samuel guidetti was the only person to get 19 finishes right uh, because that was the official number despite what happened to perez and only two people had max's first dnf uh, one of whom was Gary Vinol, who has now jumped into third overall because of that single point. Uh, so the the top of the board is looking like so. Uh, Timothy George holds on to first with 27.5. Uh, Max Coutant is t- second with 25.5. And then, as I say, Gary Vinall has jumped up to third with 24.5. Um, for us, it's better left unsaid, but Chris <laughs> and me are on 15 <laughs> points in 62nd, and Stu is on 14 points in 74th yeah it's
1: only one point stuff. in it though only one point between sixty yeah. second and 74th
2: so all to play all <laughs> still in the uh in the presenters league <laughs> only clean <laughs> sweeps from here can really save us <laughs> just putting that in oh, perspective dear. if we want to get anywhere near any the top
3: <laughs> no chance
2: so that's not happening Um yeah. but yeah that that is predictions for this week and obviously if you want to get involved uh, be sure to get on the website and register at backofthegrid.com and you can join in next time out for the Mexican Grand Prix when we get around to it.
1: Yeah, and while you're there, don't forget to like, share and subscribe to the podcast. It helps a zillion times and yeah,
3: that's that. <laughs> Should we do some Inbox? Let's do some inbox. Uh, first one is from Paul Kelso who says, Can someone explain the reason Racing Point have lodged a technical infringement against Renault and what exactly said infringement is? Yeah, so who feels like what, getting techie?
1: This is what we said we'd come
3: back to, is not it? Um, so I've got a vague yes. understanding
1: of, of what what it is. Um, <laughs> yes. they've yeah, so essentially got like a, uh, like a, almost like a. Predictive brake balance system that kind the of- exact
3: words of the racing point objection is a preset lap distance dependent brake bias adjustment system.
1: Yeah, yeah, so it basically figures out where you are on the track or it program they program it to the track to adjust the brake balance at certain points around the track so that the driver doesn't have to do it, which would fall under, would technically fall under the assisted braking rules, I believe as well, like that, that yeah, like ABS and things like that.
3: The yeah. way it's worded sounds to me like they think they've got a loophole. Like obviously it's not using, you know, like GPS positioning or anything like that to um, adjust the brake bias automatically, That would they obviously think that would be illegal, but the fact that they're making it change based on distance, so it's like the car electronics know how far it's gone around the track and it adjusted at that point. It sounds to me like Renault think by doing it that way, they're getting around the rules somehow. Yeah, it's probably to do with I would gear be very shifts. surprised if they do.
1: I think it's to do with gear shifts. I think it's could to do be with yeah. the number of times you touch the gear paddle um in a yeah, given gear situation and stuff because i watched their onboards today <laughs> and um they didn't make it f- I, I saw most of the race and like normally when you come out of the pits or when you're going through the pits you'll make some adjustments to the steering wheel um to your brake bias for your new tires and they mm-hmm. didn't i didn't see them touch the the wheel for like mm. that kind of thing you can just about see what's on the screen of the wheel i didn't see anything to do with brake bias there so um, that's my opinion on it. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't have an opinion on it. Maybe I shouldn't have even seen that and be even talking about it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's all out there. Yeah. Uh, is there? It is all out there, isn't it? It's all. You know, you can watch it. That I guess that's a loose explanation of what
3: what the process. That's the gist is. of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as a result, the Renault electronics and steering wheels are currently impounded by the FIA.
2: Yeah, sealed and impounded.
3: Yes. Moving on from that, Velvet Thunder says, uh,
2: "Yet another brilliant race for McLaren. I feel Andreas Seidel does not get the credit that he deserves. The things that he has achieved in the last year is just too good to ignore. Is he the best team principal in the current F one grid, or at least the best for the past year?
3: Hmm. He does flow under the radar, doesn't he? He's he's not particularly outspoken as team principals go." No, you don't see him on T
1: V that much, do you? But then he's not he's not really like you know, he's not in the spotlight because the spotlight's not shining on him, if you like. Like the Yeah, that's true. I'm sure if he was fighting for a championship he'd be on TV much more. Yeah, Yeah.
2: I think the fact that McLaren are it sounds really harsh saying this, but they're kinda just plodding along at their own pace and getting on with it. They're not they're not far enough up the front to be in that mix of interviews and questions, but they're far enough ahead of the midfield and they're doing as well as you'd expect them to at the moment. Like They're not coming under the scrutiny of, you're not good enough right now, what's going on? So they're like in this no-man's land where they're doing all right, therefore the media doesn't care and doesn't want to talk about them or talk to them. So I think that's part of the reason that it's kind of gone under the radar because the media don't see any value in speaking to them at the moment. Um savage. But Absolutely yeah, savage. It's, it's right. The, the, it me- really the is. media want controversy whether it's that yeah. a team's underperforming like a Williams or, or whatever, or whether a team's like up the front fighting for championships for our Mercedes Red Bull. Like that's they want one or the other. They don't really care about what goes in the middle. No. It's why you don't hear much about Racing Point or Haas or whatever unless the drivers are coming together and that kind of thing. Yeah, so. well, they're just also ran aren't they?
3: All of them. Yeah. That's the thing. Good news
2: yeah. doesn't get clicks. The
3: sad exactly. thing is, like,
1: Sainz had, like, a hell of a race, and he was barely
2: seen the entire time. Exactly. Actually, really and it is a shame race. when stuff like that happens because of it. it really is. Uh, but on the actual team principal point, like, I'd probably go along with the fact that he's one of, if not the best one that's out there at the minute. Like, obviously, these guys winning championships at Mercedes, you know, like, you total wolves of this world, but... I think if you'd have put Siedel in charge of that team in the same way Wolf was uh, has been, he'd have got the same, if not more, out of it. I think you could easily plop him into any of those top three teams at the minute, and that he could do as good a job, if not better, than the, the principal that's in charge at the moment. On current experience, um, anyway. Do you reckon?
1: Do you reckon? Do you reckon to be better at wrangling the two Ferrari drivers then?
2: May <laughs> I don't know. He's been pretty stern about like knocking heads together at McLaren, hasn't he? So maybe he would. I don't think he'd I don't think he'd take the nonsense from him of saying no over the team radio. I don't think he'd let them get away with that, like Ferrari apparently seemed to be doing at the minute.
0: Hmm.
3: Yeah. And I also think to say it's all on him is to do a discredit to uh James Key and Jill DeFran That's, and yeah. like the, the other guys that Zach Brown has brought in, like <clears throat> this new kind of core team that Zach Brown has brought in over the last couple of years. What we see now is that difference being made like that's all paying dividends now and on paper it looks like they're going to keep going in the right direction i think
2: yeah hopefully yeah
3: ian white 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 says will george
1: russell
2: (laughs) (laughs) i bet he gets that all the time as well Oh,
3: and he just turned the podcast off
1: (laughs) yeah yeah we've lost the listener there Um, will george russell oh god i better start again because we can't keep that in can we no, no, we are. We <laughs> that are. One no, I'm <laughs> Not stay. Um, George Ru- will George Russell go his first season without getting a point. With the belief that he could be a future world champion, are there any world champions who didn't score a point in their first year?
3: Mm, that's an interesting question, Ian White, white, white. It is. And I have done some research. Yeah. Um, Yay. I love Would how you... that was both
1: our reactions. Yeah, <laughs> we we're gonna know research. something. We're gonna know something for once.
2: Can Would can you I like try and hazard a guess? Yeah, can I try and guess too? Because I think I know two. I think. Go for it. So I'm fairly certain. Whilst at Minardi, Alonso didn't score any points.
3: You are and... correct,
2: and it depends on this if on the, if this counts or not, but. Damon Hill had like half a season at Brabham before they went bust. So if that counts, he's another one.
3: You have actually named the most recent two. Um, That's probably
2: why I know them. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Because they're in my era.
3: (laughs) I say Alonzo Minardi, his best finish was 10th, but this was before you got points for 10th. Uh, Then Damon Hill, we actually missed three races of his first season. He came in race four. Uh, Um, He failed to qualify for... Five or six times, and then the best finished be 11th.
2: That car was a dog, though. It was, it was awful, yeah.
3: So, yeah, before Damon Hill, you have to go back to Nigel Mansell in 1980. Then, once you get back into the kind of 70s and 60s, they get a bit more common. Uh, Nelson Piquet, Nicky Lauda, Keke Rosberg, Jody Schechter, they all fail to score. Um, so, back then it was more common, but in recent years, it's not as common. How um,
2: much research have you done to see if Points down to 10th existed, some of those would have scored points.
3: I can tell you actually. Um Yeah. I wanna know now. Alonso would have got a point, Damon Hill would not have done, Nigel Mansell would not have done. Uh, PK Wood, Lauda Wood, Rosberg Wood, and Schecter would. So <clears throat> a lot of it is down to the difference in point systems. So basically it's Hill or Mansell. <laughs>
2: Yeah, They're the only two really, based on a current points standard of 10 places, they're the only two.
3: Pretty much, yeah. Another interesting thing I noticed is the most recent three, Alonso, Hill and Mansell, all failed to score in their first season, but all got a podium in their second season. Mm -hmm. In fact, Mm -hmm. Hill and Alonso got wins in their second season. So based on that, maybe things will be a bit better for George Russell next year. Yeah, yeah. there is
1: (laughs) hope. There is hope for George.
3: (laughs) But I I definitely wouldn't look at the fact that Russell's likely to not get a point in his first season that has any kind of reflection on him. Um yeah. As I think we said last week, it's I still think he's doing a very, very good job. He just doesn't necessarily have the machinery to do much more than he's achieving.
1: Mm. Yeah. Either that or him and Kubitz are both absolutely terrible and the the Williams is the class of the field.
3: All <laughs> oh, that that is a possibility, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um Next question from Stephen Barlow, who says, Did James give Bottas the win as payback? Uh, Dennis Skerrison also said, That would be my question as well. Looked like Lewis had enough pace in his tyres to last 10 more laps. And Katie O'Brien added, Do you think the call to pit Hamilton for new tyres at the end was correct? Do you think it was strategic to give Bottas a clear win? Well, given
1: Amazon Web Services said that he had 70% of the tire life left in his tires, it probably wasn't a great
2: call to bring him in.
1: <laughs>
2: Do you know the irony again with that is I went to watch the highlights and both times I've loaded the highlights in the last 24 hours, it's been an Amazon Web Services advert that's called Yes, like, I've noticed it, it, that. Have you had that as well?
3: Yeah. Oh, they're tagging their adverts on the front of it.
2: Sponsored by Amazon Services. <laughs>
3: I, I did actually ask the question on Twitter during the race and I didn't get an answer. Is that I'd be really interested to know with these new tire life graphics that are very video game. Are they is that just based on uh, extrapolating generally known tire life, number of laps done, historical yeah. data, or are they actually Measuring something to calculate that percentage
2: <laughs> for all four tires to be exactly 70%, I'd say they ain't calculating
3: nothing. That does seem a little, uh, <laughs> a little yeah. ropey. Um,
2: yeah, that'd be my I think that, well. that that would have probably been here is the Pirelli expected tire life, and he has done 70% of that number of laps, therefore he has 30% left.
3: And I, I've just got a feeling that's all that will have been. I did one earlier in the race where it had like thirty on the front, forty on the rears, or vice versa, or something. So they were doing more than just the same number all round. But there was one at the very end, towards the end of the race, that had
1: one tire in like the red, one of the front. I think it was the front left. I want to say in the red, and the front right in the amber, and the on about forty percent, and then the two rears a little bit kind of less than that as well. So like four, three amber tires and one red tire. But I honestly, I think they just did one that didn't have symmetrical front and back, uh, mm-hmm. symmetrical yeah. either side tires
3: to to make, to it, not like make, make it not look like they were cheating. it not look like they were
2: Some guy sat in a room at Amazon just typing numbers. <laughs> I, I have a <laughs> <That'll> very be... <laughs> strong feeling that
3: that is made up. Amazon yeah. Web Services. Everyone
1: that is, that is all <laughs> I'm saying about it.
3: Um, <laughs> um, on the actual question we were asked it did feel a little bit like, it felt a bit to me like Mercedes were making sure they didn't have to deal with a difficult situation. Yeah, a by, bit. by leaving Lewis on the same strategy, they were like, let's just give them both the same strategy, let the race play out. We won't have to worry about bringing the cars homeboys or, you know, letting the yeah. pastor any of that nonsense.
2: Homeboys. I, I think... There was there was a two factors to this, and that was maybe it was a little bit. Let's give Bottas this under a strategy call, but also the fact it was if we bring these cars home and Lewis bags the fastest lap, which you know he will, especially on those soft tires. We've got the we've got the constructors. And True, I think um, that's why Ferrari were maybe pushing Charles into doing the fastest lap as well. Because they, because I'm pretty sure at one point they were trying to get him to go for it, and that would have obviously stopped Mercedes for one more race, which wouldn't I wouldn't put past Ferrari at all. I wouldn't put it past any team to be honest. But
3: yeah, true. Yeah,
2: I think that was part of it as well. Just just trying to seal that. Next we have Jack, who says, "Does Carlos Sainz's current form, assuming it continues, warrant a seat at the front of the grid?" Uh, barring some reliability issues or bad luck, he's actually been almost flawless this year. Uh, Marcus Ingram also said, uh, mm-hmm. "Do you think Red Bull are kicking themselves for not showing Carlos the love and trying to keep him under their wing?" Yes, <laughs> definitely. I think they probably will be right now, considering their driver situation. And although not got any left,
1: <laughs> Albon's kind of you know Albon's doing the business, so they've got away with mm. it, haven't they? They've just about by the skin of their teeth got away with
2: it. Yeah.
3: Also. I don't feel like we'd have the same Carlos signs if he was still at Red Bull. Yeah, true. We've said it before. It really feels like this move to McLaren has kind of let him relax and concentrate on his driving and do a much better job than he was before. He's found himself. Yeah. I think
2: he (laughs) has. I know you might be half joking with that, but I think he kind of has. Um, And as well with the front uh, of the grid seat, I think if he sticks it out and keeps performing at McLaren for them to keep renewing his contract and that car keeps progressing, he's potentially already in one given yeah. the future development of the car. Yeah. So I don't think they're that far away from being able to compete with the big three at the front now. Mm. It's like a gap year on. that's
1: turned into uh, a, a life. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of is, yeah.
1: <laughs> Carlos Sainz gap year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anything more to add to that anyone I
2: don't think so no okay
1: Ins Ramos says that was a race with plenty of WTF moments but what were Ferrari doing pitting Leclerc almost at the end losing all of that time advantage when he clearly had a penalty on his way I'll tell you exactly what they're doing they were going for the fastest lap to try and stop Hamilton having the fastest <laughs> lap so that they could keep yeah, he's... the constructors alive <laughs> for one more race
3: yeah, it's that that I mentioned, isn't it? I didn't realize that was a question. Otherwise,
2: I'd have just up the, and
3: not said anything. Do you know how far Heath ended up finishing behind Ricardo? Uh, on track, no, because they've adjusted it, haven't they? All behind Gasly, I should say, because he got demoted to. Oh no, got demoted seventh. He got demoted, yeah, and he got demoted behind, seventh, yeah, Ricardo. behind Ricardo. Because yeah. it's an interesting point. Like, if if the fifteen second penalty plus the pit stop equaled a position loss then maybe he'd have been better off not making the pit stop and he'd have got the extra points they needed to keep the the title alive just on virtue of his finishing position. I I I can only assume they calculated this. Or maybe they genuinely weren't expecting the penalty. They needed to finish
1: 14 points ahead of um, Ferrari, Mercedes did. And they finished... They finished exactly that, didn't they? At the end of the race with Leclerc being six before the penalties were applied then i think they were four. i think they were bang on 14 points ahead but now as a result of the penalty and him losing it's actually 16 points ahead so they've yeah. won it by two points at japan essentially
3: but then if he'd not made that pit stop and finished the position ahead he would have been back on the 14 points Ye- either way but it's academic
1: anyway cuz they're still, anyway, cause they're still like is. they were they, 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 they only would won it at the next race so
2: yeah
3: yeah Next, uh, Thomas De Morgan uh, says, would it really be a bad thing if Ferrari finally acted on their word and up sticks if rules they didn't like got implemented slash their veto was taken away? Surely other teams would join and there'd be more money to go around. So I guess this is kind of off the back of that. the story came out of the weekend that the teams had an internal vote on whether they wanted these new 2021 rules and only four of the teams voted in favour of them. Um which of course opens up the question yeah. of why on earth are we letting teams have a say in the rules? Would we not be better off just saying these are the rules, play by them, or the doors over there? Which is a threat Ferrari have also always made, and Red Bull actually have on many occasions said yeah. we'll, you know, we'll just bounce. Um, and yeah, I agree. I I really wish they would just call these teams bluff at some point because Ferrari mm. aren't going to leave Formula One. No chance, yep. absolutely Ferrari no chance. Ferrari
1: ain't going anywhere. Yeah. Um, Red Bull probably won't. I, I mean, I, I've said this for a long time uh, Ferrari need Formula One just as much as, if not more than Formula One need Ferrari at this point. Yeah, so I don't see why they should be holding Formula One to ransom because and I don't yeah. see why Formula One should feel so they do feel threatened by them, but I don't, I from as a fan, as someone who's sort of, you know, not not part of the management of Formula 1, just a complete outsider, then I, I honestly, maybe I'm being dumb, but I honestly don't see, given how poor per Ferrari have been performing over the last sort of decade, then I don't see why they should have any jurisdiction over the direction Formula 1 takes. Just because you've been there a long time doesn't give you the right to, do. not give you carte blanche to say, no, we, we're not doing this.
3: No, completely. Yeah, exactly. And ultimately, Ferrari are only in Formula 1 to sell cars. Like, yes, there's lots of people within the organization that are there to race. But ultimately, as an organization, they're in the sport to sell cars. And yes, if they left, they could spend that money on other marketing things. But there's nothing they could do to replace the impact of being in Formula 1 and being at the front in Formula 1. So, yeah, they're going absolutely no there. And I really, really hope Formula 1 call their bluff one day. Yeah,
1: I wonder yeah. what would happen to Ferrari if they didn't have all that extra cash coming in from, from, uh, you know, from the sport compared to all the other teams. I don't think yeah. there'd be any. I mean, given the performance of the team for the last sort of ten years, like I just said, like there's no way they'd be anywhere near the front if they were just on a regular budget, right?
3: No, probably yeah. not.
1: Well, you could say that about any team, I suppose. But like, yeah, true.
3: If we ever get a real budget cap, we might find out. But that's also not about to happen anytime soon. <laughs> no. Yeah, Ugh. no.
0: How long
1: have they been talking about budget caps now? Like, what, again, 10 years? Since
3: forever. Yeah, (laughs)
2: Feels like it. Probably longer than that, to be honest. Um, And lastly this week, uh, Justin Markham says, uh, Hey guys, new listener here. I have a question that's irrelevant to the Japan race, uh, but I'm going to the race in Austin, my first ever F1 race, and was wondering what turns would be best to give views of some action. Any other advice for a first time? It would be much appreciated. Uh, Great podcast, keep up the work. thank you very
1: much thank you it's a very good question yeah
2: thanks and hi justin
1: hope you're enjoying it
2: i've actually looked at this fairly recently because i was on the brink of buying a ticket for this year's usgp and the things that i nearly bought tickets for which i think you can get in with general admission even if it's not during the race it's like earlier in the weekend but there's like a, a bleacher section that goes along the s's um which is like the the sort of what is it, turn four, five, six, seven, something like that. And there's a bleacher section there that I'm pretty sure you can get in early in the weekend and you just maybe can't sit there during the race for general admission. But that'd be an awesome place to watch an F one car go through, I can tell you now.
1: For for anyone wondering what a bleacher is who isn't from America, <laughs> it's a
2: grandstand. The bleachers are like wooden planks literally, and you just sit anywhere on them, there's no seat numbering. It's like a wooden grandstand. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's different it's different to the grandstands it's f- it's free for all grandstands it's like the concrete things at uh, silverstone it's like what they, a bleacher is what they have at a, like a basketball court isn't it like yeah. a school basketball court would have like a
1: they call yeah, that they
3: game. used to have them um, at silverstone uh, the first race i went to in 2009 we were on that and it's kind of like a as you say it's sort of a, an area where you have a ticket to go in that area but once you're in there it's kind of a free for all to find your spot yeah. Funny enough I was also thinking about this recently because a guy I work with is going there who knows nothing about formula 1 but he's going with some friends and he was asking where would be a good place to be. Obviously turn 1 is pretty cool if you can get near that and anywhere around kind of turn 12 to 15 which is the kind of end of the back straight and the sort of infieldy Hockenheimy kind of area. You can see a lot of the track from there so that'd be a pretty good spot as well I think.
1: And if you if you're feeling flush with cash, hire yourself a helicopter, and watch it from there. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, but let us know. Uh, let us know where you end up sitting, and yeah, and and how you find your uh, your first F one race.
1: Yeah, cool. And I think that is all we've got time for this week. But somehow managed to stretch a relatively average race, I think, to that amount of time so yeah
3: you say that we spent about 20 minutes on the first three laps <laughs> yeah first three true. corners That's very true <laughs> yeah um
1: you can like share and subscribe to the podcast um and please do because it helps a zillion um you can find us on twitter at back of the grid f1 on facebook by searching for back of the grid on instagram at back of the grid and of course on the website back of um does anyone know the japanese for goodbye isn't it still konnichiwa, isn't it one of no. those things that's the same thing. Konnichiwa, hello. Arigato. Arigato. No, that's, that's like, thank you, isn't it? Thank you. Dome All right, well, in that you. case. Arigato for listening and we'll see you <laughs> next week.
3: Bye. 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 Sayonara. Sayonara. (laughs) Kampai. So, what we've done there is wrote down before the podcast, James, it's Valtteri as a potential episode And then forgot to say it for the entire episode. I just did it. I think that's that's fine. fine. I'll press stop now and we're fine. It's in. It's in there. (laughs) It counts. It's
2: in in if anyone listens this far. No one listens this far. They won't. (laughs) Everyone listens this far. They heard the backwards radio message, guys. Everyone (laughs) listens this (laughs) far.